The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. Tuesday edition of the PFT PM Podcast. Getting deeper and deeper into the offseason programs. Phase three coming soon for a lot of teams. OTAs all culminates mid-June, mandatory minicamps. And then the quiet time. Four weeks of not all that much going on in the NFL, but there will always be something happening in the NFL, and we'll be here pretty much every step of the way. Nothing special to guests, no interviews. We had a bunch last week. This week, nothing yet. We'll get there. I'm just going to talk about whatever's going on in the NFL. Scrolling through PFT. I see that Rod Wood, the Lions president, says that Martha Firestone Ford, the 93-year-old owner of the Lions, has a lot less patience and less tolerance for mediocrity. Her late husband was about as patient as anyone could be. Hired Matt Millen and stuck with Matt Millen for a long, long time. Tom Lewand had a spoon in the stew for a long time. Now, I don't know if there's some deeper message here. Some people speculate that Bob Quinn, the GM, and or Matt Patricia, the head coach, could be in some sort of trouble this year. I don't think they are. I think they'll be fine. But I also realize that, yeah, maybe she will be slightly less patient or slightly more impatient than her late husband, whatever that may mean. You, like, sometimes people say things and it's like, are you just saying things to say things or is there really something going on here? Is there a message or is any message that someone may try to read into it unwarranted? Because I think most people are going to look at it and say, yeah, these guys may be in trouble. I don't think they are, though. Jason Garrett's in trouble. I'm satisfied with where we are with his contract right now, Jerry Jones said Monday of Jason Garrett. It is to be negotiated at some point in the future. We all know that we need to get out there and win ball games. Stephen Jones told us last week that he's not worried about what the consequence may be of this added pressure that Jerry Jones could be putting on Jason Garrett by openly expecting that the team will be significantly better in 2019 than it was in 2018. Look, I don't know what's going to happen after this season. I know the rumors of Sean Payton going to Dallas are not going away, even as Payton tried to downplay them not all that long ago. The rumors are still there. There's still a chance that it could happen. Now, the question is, at what point will the uh, the Cowboys give up value 
to get Sean Payton. Would they do that? Or would they just try to strong arm or hope that the Saints would just let him walk away? Or if there is compensation, it would be minimal. But I still think it's in play, regardless of what Payton said. Remember, Payton said it on New Orleans radio station. What's he going to say? He's coaching the Saints this year. What's he going to say? Somebody says, hey, any truth to this talk about you coaching the Cowboys? Yeah, you know what? There is. Should I just leave now? What should I do? How about the XFL? Possibly not testing for marijuana. There's a lot of overlap, I think, between the NFL and the XFL, and there will be in the way that the game looks. And I feel like at some level, the XFL is trying to cozy up the NFL. Maybe not as overtly as the AAF. Although it would be hard to be any more than the AAF was. Not that that helped the alliance. But an article in SI.com about the XFL includes a quote from Commissioner Oliver Locke, who says he would prefer not to test for marijuana. Good. They shouldn't be. None of these sports leagues should be testing for marijuana. This is a vestige of the days of the Nancy Reagan war on drugs. The war on drugs is over. The drugs have won. Man, I don't want to... <laughs> Yay, drugs! Who was written for the drugs? Does that now go up there with Vietnam? What wars have we lost? Vietnam, the Civil War, depending upon what your perspective is. The drugs won. Drugs won USA Zero. It was all hyped up and just an excuse to... I, I, look... Some would say alcohol is worse than most of the street drugs people could take. That alcohol is at a minimum worse than marijuana. Marijuana's got some healing powers that they still haven't fully discovered because the last thing the pharmaceutical let me try that again. The last thing the pharmaceutical companies want anyone to realize is that maybe marijuana can do a lot of the stuff that you know a lot of us are paying a hell of a lot of money to get rectified via all sorts of expensive drugs can do. So, I like it. I hope the NFL finds a way to stop testing for it. I wonder how much pressure that would put on the NFL to stop testing for it. Because the NFL should stop testing for it. But it's a matter of collective bargaining. I tried to get Stephen Jones to address that point. Because I know that he and his father, Jerry, are opposed to the NFL testing for marijuana. But they're not going to give that up without getting something from the union, even though the union isn't going to give anything up. I made the suggestion a couple weeks back, just get rid of the voluntary workouts because most players are there anyway. And in exchange, the marijuana testing goes away. I don't know how many players actually aren't at voluntary workouts. I feel like not that many aren't there. I've seen people in the media suggest that a lot of players aren't there, but we just don't report it. I don't believe that. I think that media companies are looking for things to report. And if they catch wind of a guy not being there, they're going to report it. And if a guy's not there for contract reasons, somebody's going to leak it eventually. The Odell Beckham stuff, first of all, I still don't know what the Met Gala is. Other than an opportunity for a bunch of rich people and famous people to wear funky clothes, walk a red carpet, 
Actually, this is kind of like a cross between a red carpet and the stairs at the library or museum or whatever it is in Philadelphia where Rocky runs up. You make this grand entrance. What do they do when they go inside? <laughs> Look at all those dumb shits acting like this is a big deal. We're just hanging around eating grilled cheese sandwiches and laughing at all of them. Those idiots. Man, I can't wait to get out of these clothes. These are so uncomfortable. I understand that there's a certain amount of... What's the word I'm looking for? That people enjoy that glamour and glitz. and It'd be a stressful lifestyle, wouldn't it? Where you spend weeks obsessing over what you're going to wear, what you're going to do with your hair, and then in five minutes it's gone. It's done. I mean, I guess when you're really rich and you got nothing else to do, that's how you occupy your time. You got your calendar. Next four weeks, planning what I will wear for my five-minute walk on the red carpet staircase to the Met Gala. Well, there went my May. Time to start planning what I'm going to wear to the Oscars next year. The OBJ comments about Cleveland. I already addressed that today on PFT Live. I'm not going to say anything more about that, but I will say this. Let me just underscore this point. The Patriots never pull this stuff. The Patriots are petrified of Bill Belichick. The Patriots will not say anything beyond that which they are programmed to say. And either other coaches aren't willing to be as strict and stringent and demanding as Bill Belichick, or they're not able to do it. Because one of the ways you can pull it off is by having the pelts on the wall. But I, I, I just... I understand. I like, look, confidence is fine. I saw some people on Twitter saying, oh, people aren't supposed to have confidence. Have quiet confidence. Especially at a time when the expectations are already sky high for the Browns. They're too high. Point that I made earlier today. When you come out of the gates and you lose a couple of games, if you're expected to be bad, who cares? You still got plenty of time to turn it around. Hey, at least we're not 0-4. We're one and three. We're two and five. Whatever. When you're expected to do great things and you come out of the gates and you, you lose a few games. I mean, last year, two, four, and one through seven games for the Browns was great. This year, two, four, and one would be grounds for panic. Because they, now, a certain amount of expectations will be created based upon the moves you make. But you know, last year when the Rams were making their moves, they weren't declaring themselves to be a dream team, were they? Am I missing something? Go about your business, go about your work, get ready for the season, but why in the world, why in the world are you talking? Why are you saying things that will make the expectations even greater? I don't get it. And this is not a get off my lawn old man type of a thing. I think this is a recognition of what's smart and what's not from the standpoint of the psychology that a team has as it enters into a season. You don't want there to be extra pressure on the team every week. You don't want each loss to feel like five losses. 
because if you lose a couple of games in September, there goes our shot at home field advantage through the playoffs. Then you lose a couple more. There goes our shot at winning the division. We've got to scrounge for a wild card berth and do it the hard way. By the way, there are three things every homeowner wants their home to be. Smarter, safer, and more fun. What if I told you one link by First Alert has you covered? First, meet your family's new best friend, the One Link Safe and Sound. It's a hardwired smart smoke and carbon monoxide alarm with a premium home speaker and its Alexa enabled all in one sleek device. It's built with First Alert safety technology and it provides an immersive, great sound experience. The Safe and Sound elevates any home, but it gets better. One Link by First Alert also offers a smart smoke and carbon monoxide alarm that works with the One Link Safe and Sound. The device is easy to install and protects against both smoke and carbon monoxide. If smoke or CO are detected in your home, the smart alarm will notify you through exclusive voice and location technology to also send a notification to your smartphone, whether you or not. A smart home should start with smart protection and One Link by First Alert welcomes you to a smarter, safer home. Visit OneLink.com. Wait, OneLink.FirstAlert.com. Let me get that right. Always important to get that you're supposed to go to on the web. Right. Kind of defeats the whole purpose of doing the read if you screw that up. Visit OneLink.FirstAlert.com for more information. Posted something earlier today about the tangible consequences of the sneak and peek video surveillance operations that previously have gone not necessarily undetected, but unchallenged in Florida. When people see that Robert Kraft, the Patriots owner, is spending time and money to fight the charges against him by attacking the legality of the sneak and peek surveillance video, people roll their eyes and say, it's another rich guy using his money to buy justice for himself. And look, the reality is, the more money you have, the easier it is to hire lawyers who are competent enough to help you beat back criminal charges. Most prosecutors are accustomed to having their way with public defenders or the smattering of criminal defense lawyers who are working on $5,000 retainers that are long since gone and the family doesn't have any other money to give the guy or gal to help get the person acquitted and get what you pay for. A small percentage of criminal defendants have the resources to do whatever it takes. And if you get really good, really smart, really capable, really bright lawyers, they will run roughshod over a prosecutor's office. The problem here for the prosecutors and for the authorities, they have been for years operating these sneak and peek surveillance outfits in an effort to end prostitution, curb prostitution, whatever the case may be, and they have been grossly overreaching in what they do when they record activities, say, in a massage parlor. And we've begun to learn through a case, related case in Martin County, Florida, where the judge said, sorry, you went too far with this surveillance operation, you can't use the video in this criminal case. Now, usually what happens when there's a violation of Fourth Amendment, search and seizure, right? If you've watched TV, seen a cop show, somebody has an illegal search of their car, they didn't give consent, 
and their car got searched anyway, or they got lied to, whatever the case may be. Fake probable cause to even do the stop. Fourth Amendment provides us with a lot of protections when we are the targets and when our rights are violated. With these sneak and peek surveillance videos, these things are violating a lot of people's Fourth Amendment rights. And if they violate Fourth Amendment rights generally, then they get pitched, even if they weren't necessarily a violation as to the person who was soliciting prostitution, allegedly. And there's a civil action that's already been filed in federal court in Florida attacking the very operation that yielded the charges that are pending against Bob Kraft. Jupiter, Florida, Kenny, same time period. January 18 to 22, January 19 and 20 were the two days that Bob Kraft allegedly solicited prostitution at the Orchids of Asia Day Spa. There is an individual who has filed the lawsuit, not in his name, John Doe, that happens all the time, keeping the identity of the plaintiff secret. The lawyers move forward, and there was something very interesting from the perspective of the legal industry about who represents John Doe. Now, it's a class action. There may not be enough people in the class to get the class certified. This gets deep into the legal weeds very quickly, but there are certain standards that must be met before one person can serve as the representative of others who haven't filed suit. The argument in this case will be, these other people can file suit if they want to. There's only 17, roughly. People who went to the Orchids of Asia Day Spa had a legitimate massage with no sexual activity, but had themselves recorded getting undressed, getting a massage, getting dressed. Think about it. If you go to a doctor's office and you strip down to your underwear, do you think anybody's recording you? If you're walking around naked in a hotel room, well, we know that that's been the subject of an illegal recording. We know what the consequences were. Now, that was by an individual, not by a governmental agency. But you've got privacy in certain circumstances. And before we get on a soapbox about how rich people have the privilege to get the kind of defense that will buy them justice, in this case, even though Robert Kraft is not doing it for altruistic reasons... The practical consequence here is he is exposing a practice that has been happening without scrutiny. And now there's scrutiny. Now there's a lawsuit filed challenging the practice. And what's intriguing from the perspective of a lawyer, the firm representing the individual, it isn't a quote-unquote ambulance-chasing law firm like what you would see advertised on TV. Not that there's anything wrong with advertising on TV. I know ambulance chaser is pejorative. There are plenty of people out there who are just in this business to game the system, make as much money as they can, 33% contingent fee at a time, and they'll do some unscrupulous things to get themselves in position to represent someone who's been horribly injured or killed in a car accident. And I know what it's like. And I resisted as best I could through the nine, ten years or so that I was practicing on my own to get caught up in this, oh, wow, that accident happened. I got to find out who they're going to hire. I got to 
see if I know somebody who knows that person. I got to try to get them to hire me. I No, that's not my style. If somebody wants to hire me, they can hire me. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I'm not going to try to position myself to chase this this misfortune. I, I, I spoke about this last week. I never liked to represent injured people because I didn't want to make money off of someone else's physical misfortune. I rarely did it. And when I did it, I earned my fee. But that's not the kind of law firm that's at play here. It's a corporate law firm with offices in multiple cities. Reed Smith, big deal firm in Pittsburgh. When I was practicing law, that was one of the, you know, you aspire to do well in law school and you can go work at a firm like that and make good money right out of law school. Now, I looked carefully at the names. They have an office in Miami. So there's a local lawyer who signed the document. And then there's two other lawyers who are seeking admission, what they say, pro hoc vice, where you're not admitted to practice in that state, but you're admitted to practice elsewhere. And if you wave the magic wand, sign the papers, say, mother, may I, then they let you practice in that jurisdiction for that one case. A couple of lawyers from Reed Smith's office in New York who aren't class action specialists, aren't invasion of privacy specialists. And it just makes me wonder who this plaintiff is. Like, is it some rich big money person out of New York that knows these folks at Reed Smith? Is it somebody from the New York legal profession? And I don't know if we'll ever know who the plaintiff is, but it's somebody with some real connections. Otherwise, the lawsuit would have been Saul Goodman or whoever else has an ad on a billboard on the highway down the street from the Orchids of Asia Day Spa. And that means they're going to have the resources you know, it's, it's rare that a corporate firm, a big firm, would take on a case like this because usually firms like that represent the people who get sued for invasion of privacy and who get sued for big money damages, big verdicts, punitive damages. And those law firms end up crusading against big money verdicts and they get involved with tort reform groups and they, they argue against the constitutionality of punitive damages, and it puts them in a weird spot. They call it issue conflict, where all of a sudden you got a case where all those things you rail against in all your other cases, you're embracing as you're trying to maximize your client's fee. So I've already waded deep into the marsh on this one. All I'm saying is this. One, Robert Kraft fighting and fighting hard has made life very complicated for the authorities in South Florida as to his case and as to many others. Two, there's already one civil lawsuit challenging this practice of sneak and peek surveillance. Three, this could end that practice in Florida and elsewhere. And that may be the good that comes out of this. Regardless of what happens with Robert Kraft, regardless of whether he's exonerated, regardless of whether he's punished by the league, what may come out of this is Florida may say, they may communicate via the annual meeting of the statewide district attorneys when they do their equivalent of the Met Gala in Tallahassee. They may decide, we better tell our police departments no more of this. Or the judges may decide, we're not authorizing these warrants anymore. I saw that the NFL is starting a youth training academy for football. 
in London. Look, this is the key to making football more popular, getting kids to play it. And I know that some kids, specifically their parents, think that it's unsafe, but high school age, I think that by then kids can decide whether or not they want to play and appropriate precautions can be taken to minimize the potential for head trauma. And if you get enough, if you get enough shows, shows, if you get enough countries, I'm I'm sorry, I'm reading while I'm writing. If you get enough countries, I'm reading while I'm talking. I'm not writing while I'm talking yet. If you get enough countries involved, that's how it grows more. So that, that's, that's significant, and I'm surprised it took this long. And I think the more we see that spell is going to be, and the easier it will be to get more people interested in football. The more kids are playing, the more kids are going to be interested, and the more parents are going to be interested in the NFL. One last question. Harry Roseman, the Eagles, essentially general manager, said recently on WIP that the team wouldn't hesitate to do the right deal with Carson Wentz. Okay, fine. What's the right deal? Yeah, they wouldn't do the right deal. They wouldn't hesitate to do the right deal. What's the right? I mean, twenty million a year. Hey, that's the right deal for us. Where does Carson Wentz fall in that range between Derek Carr at twenty-five million a year and Russell Wilson at thirty-five million a year? There's a lot of quarterbacks between twenty-five and thirty-five. Where's Carson Wentz? For now, the right deal is closer to twenty-five. If Wentz stays healthy for a full season. Gets the Eagles deep into the playoffs, the closer to 35 is the right deal. And I think for the Eagles, the challenge is, when do we put the money on the table? And for Wentz, the challenge will be, when they put the money on the table, do I say no to it and let it ride, or do I take it? And you can talk all you want about what you want. I want this. I want that. I want a cheeseburger. No, I want a hamburger. No, I want, you know, you'll get nothing and like it. You can say all you want about what you want, but once an offer is made, you got to say yes or no. And when the offer is made, it changes everything. It's one thing to say with nothing on the table. I'd like this. I'd like that. It's on the table and the choices are you take it or you don't. And if you don't, you carry the risk of injury, the kind of injury that's going to keep you from ever getting that kind of money at some point down the road. That changes everything. Before I answer your questions, I need to point out it can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you can feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't do it. Never do it. Because trains often are going a lot faster than you expect them to be, and they cannot stop. Even if the engineer hits the brakes right away, it can take a train over one full mile to come to a stop. By that time, what used to be your car is going to be a crunched hunk of metal, and what used to be you is going to be a crunched hunk of gelatinous goo. The point is, that wasn't in the copy, that's just me ad-libbing. The point is, you you can't know how, there's nothing funny about this, quit laughing. The, the, The point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive, the train can't stop even if it sees you, the result is a potential disaster. If the signals are on, the train's on the way, and you just need to remember one thing, stop. Because trains cannot. All right, I've satisfied my two obligations for commercial reads today. No more commercials for the rest of this edition of the PFTPM podcast. Let's get into your questions. Scrolling down for the Willy Wonka GIF. I've been using Willy Wonka lately. I don't know why. 
I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I don't even know how I would watch it. Although, you know what's funny? Have you gotten to the point like I have where there's a movie you'd like to see and you just go to Google and say how to watch Willy Wonka or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or whatever the hell the, the name of the original one was? And they tell you it's available on Netflix. And it's like, it's like oh, let's see, I hit enter. Oh, it's on Netflix. All right, I got Netflix. Oh, it's on Amazon. Oh, I got Amazon. Oh, it's on Hulu. Shit, I don't have Hulu. I do have Hulu. I got Hulu for Seinfeld. I got all the Seinfeld DVDs, but it's so much easier to just pull up the Hulu app on your phone, turn your phone sideways, prop it against wherever, and let Seinfeld play. How do you keep track of all the shit that you pay for every month on streaming? I got to get rid of DirecTV. I keep saying I'm going to do it. Somebody said PlayStation View. My nephew said PlayStation View is the way to go. I'm going to explore that. Hey, DirecTV, the call is coming. And a lot of people tell me, if you call DirecTV and you tell them you're going to cancel and you act like you're going to cancel, like they'll start offering you all sorts of deals. But now I guess lately they've decided to call people's bluff to make them, make them actually, they like, they realize, you know what? It's getting around that all people have to do is call up and say, we're going to cancel, but I really am going to cancel. I think because I, 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 I feel like everything that, that I want to watch, like most of the time I watch it streaming anyway, I never, I, like, there's maybe three channels I watch on DirecTV. Why the hell do I need it? Now, of course, my wife has, like, three other channels she watches on DirecTV, so between us, there's six. And, you know, when my kid's home, he never turns on the TV, watching stuff on his phone or his laptop. The world really has changed. I remember 10 years ago, people saying, oh, man, the world's really going to change. It's like, how can it change? It's been, you know, cable TV my whole life, satellite TV. I mean, how's it going to change? It's changed. The ongoing expansion of the bandwidth and the internet gets bigger and bigger and faster and faster and it's changed. PFTPM Posse, cops in Florida will get no punishment for their misconduct in the Kraft case. Hashtag as always. How do we as a society, how do we as a society fix illegal cop prosecuted conduct that has no consequences, repercussions for them while negatively impacting citizens? Well, here's how you do it. <laughs> You find somebody who's got the money to fight like hell when they're criminally charged, and you find people who will file lawsuits when their rights have been violated. Now, there will still be violations of people's rights, but if there's a bright line, and I think this this whole sneak and peek thing is a pretty bright line. I can't think of many innocent people. You know, oh, I don't have anything to hide. Oh, you can spy on me. Do you really believe that? I got nothing to hide. It's only the guilty who are concerned about their rights being violated. Do you really believe that? You really want to go to a doctor's office and while you're waiting for your prostate exam, while all your business is hanging out in the doctor's office, you want that to be recorded? You want your prostate exam to be recorded? And then in Florida, part of the problem is their sunshine laws are so restrictive from the standpoint of what can be hidden. Once that thing is created by a cop... It's public property. It's one of the things Kraft is fighting, and that's one of the key questions in his case. If he wins his motion to suppress with a finding that it was an illegal search, will that video be destroyed, or will it be made available to the public nevertheless? That's the core question here. The ruling is coming on the motion to suppress. If he wins, what does that mean as it relates to the effort by multiple media companies to get that video and all the other videos that were generated. 
Matt Evon wants to know, will Congress have a basis to investigate the NFL for controversial officiating or other rules violations if the league does not directly promote or receive a piece of the gambling pie? Yes, because here's the thing. The league is going to receive a piece of the gambling pie because the league is going to have more interest from fans because of legalized gambling. The rights fees will be greater in the next round of negotiations. The league will find ways to profit from gambling. They already have a partnership with Caesars. They'll find ways to serve as the middle person. I said this not that long ago. Within the last three years, I said 20 years from now, you will be able to pick up your phone, click on the Chicago Bears app, and from that app, you'll be able to place bets. That the NFL will use its massive audience digitally to link up audience members with legitimate gambling sites, and they'll get a piece of the action. Now, look, I, I, guess, I guess corporations benefit from having their stock bought and sold, so it's not the best example, but they're subject to extensive regulations because of those stocks where the price goes up and down based upon how well the company does or doesn't perform. And people can rig the system based upon what information is or isn't disclosed. So I, I think that if the NFL or any of these other major sports have serious officiating controversies, they have to worry about Congress creating some sort of a commission that would have oversight over specific sports or all sports. What's the menu in the barn tonight for Dallas Stars Game 7 victory over the St. Louis Blues? Yeah, I'm so, you know what? I'm going to watch it, but I don't think it's a barn night. You know, we're into youth baseball time and a lot of the dudes that would hang out with me down in the barn, they got other things to do. Tonight's not a barn night. Tonight may be, you know, one of the things I've been trying to do now once a week, read a book, sit outside, have a cocktail, smoke a small cigar. It's about a half hour to 45 minute endeavor. I just finished reading Wise Guy the book on which the movie Goodfellas is based. I'm stunned that it took me 30 years to realize that that's a book I probably would be interested in. If you like Goodfellas, and I love Goodfellas, you'd probably like the book on which it was based. The book is Wise Guy by Nicholas Pileggi, and it is awesome. It's one of those things where I was upset that it was over. I wanted more. Where's volume two? I, I downloaded another mob book just to try to continue that vibe. I may start reading that tonight. What's it called? Something about the five families. But Wise Guy is excellent. If you like Goodfellas, I'm telling you, it is excellent. No spoilers, but so many of the scenes that are memorable from Goodfellas, there is so much more detail. And there's just randomly so much more detail about who these guys were. And look, they lived lives of crime, and it's morally wrong, and it's reprehensible, and it's shocking the way they could just so casually rob and kill and beat. But man, it's fascinating that people lived like that back at that time, kind of out in the open, unchecked. They had the network in place where the cops looked the other way, and the judges went easy on them, and amazing, just amazing how they just did stuff their own way. But I highly recommend I'm telling you, you will not regret it. It's like 10 or 11 bucks for the ebook. It is awesome. Awesome. 
there's a forward in the edition that I read, 2011 edition, Martin Scorsese said when he read the book the first time, he knew, I have to make this into a movie. I must. Excellent. Let me tell you. Excellent. Dr. J144, does JPP's injury guarantee work the same way with this car accident as it would a football-related injury? I guess why they'd be upset if he were skiing or snowboarding or whatever, but this was an accident. It's still a non-football injury. Guarantees don't apply. They won't have to pay him if they don't want to. They can choose to pay him, but this is not covered by anything. Now, this is why a signing bonus is so important. The ultimate guarantee is the signing bonus. Because if you have a signing bonus and you get into a car accident and you can't play because of the car accident, you don't have to give back the signing bonus. You only have to give back the signing bonus if you voluntarily retire. Boy, how would that? Now, you know what? What would happen? You're not retiring. You're saying, hey, I'd play, but the doctor won't clear me. Your doctor won't clear me. I'm failing the physical. I'm not retiring. I think that you'd get to keep the signing bonus. I don't think it's so onerous at this point that if you have some sort of an accident, like if you would die, I don't think you have to pay back the money. I think it's only if you retire. I'm going to I'm gonna have to research that just to be sure, but my gut tells me that you only have to pay back signing bonus money if you retire, and they may have expanded a little bit where you can, like if you're incarcerated, you may have to give back some of the signing bonus. But I, I don't think for like a car accident... I don't, I don't think you're facing that type of a consequence. And I, I, I can't remember if the Buccaneers gave JPP a new contract when they traded for him. I think he got his contract with the Giants and then got traded. So it's not like they're out any money. But you know what? The Buccaneers once traded for Jake Plummer, who retired. And the Buccaneers attacked the signing bonus that the Broncos had paid. And the Buccaneers ended up getting like three and a half out of $7 million out of Jake Plummer's pocket. James McDonough, did any officials get fired as a result of the NFC Championship game? I know they're secretive when they fire someone. I don't know how the NFL can accept that performance without accountability. I haven't heard anything about any of these folks getting fired, and it would have been a big deal. And there is transparency, at least when there's change. Now, a lot of times they say guys are retiring or resigning when, in fact, they got fired. But I don't think there was anything like that because we'd have heard about it. Frank Chavowee, kids going to the XFL instead of college is looking like more and more of a possibility. Do you think it'd be a wise choice considering the talent level of coaching might not be the same in the XFL? Well, look, they have a lot of competent coaches in the XFL. I don't know that the XFL coaches are any better or worse than college coaches. It's just different. But that's a fair question. How much training am I going to get? What kind of development am I going to get as a player? I am going to get paid, though. And as the XFL attracts... Because here's what you got to do. Sims and I were talking about this today. You've got to attract stars or create stars. You attract stars with money. Now, there's that one sliver of potential stars. And, and here's, here's what you do. For the players who, as freshmen, ideally true freshmen, like a Trevor Lawrence, become stars, you pilfer them with some money because some money is more than no money and then you hold them for two seasons and then they enter the draft right isn't that what you would do let me see freshman trevor lawrence straight to the xfl in february yeah you got about a month off keep playing football february march april and then 
you're what you're only one year removed. You could get three seasons out of these kids because they have to wait until they're three years removed from high school before they enter the draft. You could get them. They graduate in May. In in the fall, they're true freshmen. You get them in the spring of their freshman year, the spring of their sophomore year, and the spring of their third year if they're willing to continue to play for the XFL in lieu of entering the draft. Or at least entering the pre-draft process. And then teams would have to decide, do we draft these guys even though we're not putting them through the paces of the pre-draft process with the underwear Olympics and all that other stuff? But, you know, one thing Eric DaCosta told me last week when we interviewed him after the draft, they drafted Marquise Brown in round one and they didn't have the ability to do anything with him because of his foot injury and they still drafted him in round one. So I think that's the way. If the XFL is smart, they can get three seasons out of guys who become star players at the college level as true freshmen. And what you may see is colleges then delaying the use of these true freshmen because they fear that they're going to walk away right after that first season. Like, do we hold them for one year? Because there's a greater incentive to walk away after one season, after your freshman season, because you can play three years before you enter the draft and get paid for three years before you enter the draft. But from the XFL standpoint, that's one thing they can do to, to attract stars, at least for a short period of time. Because you otherwise have to outbid others. But what you can do, you can get somebody who becomes a star after one season of college football, keep them for a few years, and then they go to the NFL. That's the sweet spot for the XFL. I still think the XFL should play in the in the fall, Tuesday and Wednesday night. But they, they, maybe the next league that comes along, if the XFL doesn't make it, instead of going spring, it decides to go fall, Tuesday, Wednesday night. What else do we have here? Andrew 1MT, do you think the Browns are just paper champs or are they legit enough to make a deep run in their first year? I think they're legit enough, but they're putting pressure on themselves by declaring themselves paper champions. I think they definitely are putting pressure on themselves, which is going to make it harder if they stumble at all. They're going to be favored to beat the Titans by 10 points. And I'm telling you, Mike Vrabel is going to be ready to go in there. Let's say eight and a half, eight and a half. I think Mike Vrabel is going to be ready to go in there and upset them. And then, I'm not saying he will, but it's not going to be easy. And then the Browns go to the Jets the following Monday night. Big game, high profile. And I think Adam Gase is going to be ready to show Freddie Kitchens a thing or two. And Adam Gase will have a stick up his ass because he was available and Jimmy Haslam didn't call him to come coach the Browns. And Greg Greg Williams will have a stick up his ass because he didn't get to keep the job. He's now the defensive coordinator of the Jets and... Man, you just built, you know, every year, see, that's the thing. We can caught up in, oh, this team's going to be great, and that team's going to be great. They're all making the playoffs. Remember, hey, 32 teams in the playoffs this year. Once they start playing the games, half the teams are going to be 0-1, barring a tie, and some of those teams are going to be 0-2. And all and in, in a matter of eight days for the Browns, from Sunday to the following Monday, everything could be thrown off, and you still got 14 games to play, and you're feeling like crap because you're 0-2, when you should have been 2-0 and and on your way. Andrew1MT, who has a better mustache, Big Cat or Jeff Fisher? I like Jeff Fisher's mustache because 
when he was coach of the Titans, like it was bushy enough that there was all kind of stuff going on around there. Anytime your mustache covers your mouth and it makes it easier for people not to know what that specific area of your face is doing, man, you can be much more effective playing poker. Dirtbag1327, what's with stats on fire not being seen or heard on PFT Live anymore? That was a decision that was made out of a concern, not a concern per se, a desire to have him involved in the production and execution of the show. He's talking to Sims and me directly in our ears and guiding us through everything and telling us when to break, telling us when to move to the next topic. So Kristen Coleman can focus on directing other things unrelated to what Sims and I say. Stats is focused on talking to Sims and me and telling us what to say and maybe throwing us an idea for a question. So, you know, with, with stats, with Sims there, it's me and Sims and, you know, a guest if there's a guest or Big Cat if he's there. There was just a strategic decision made that Stats' skills are better suited to the show by being in a position where he's truly acting as a producer, not an on-air producer, like, hey, this guy's a producer and he's also on the air, which some shows do. This guy's truly being a producer now. So that's where he is. Toddster, 12-24, which current starting quarterback is on the shortest leash going into the offseason? Well, I mean, technically it would be Case Keenum if he's the starter in Washington. I would say Eli Manning's on a pretty short leash. If Ryan Fitzpatrick ends up being the starter in Miami, although I don't think he will, short leash. I'm looking at the list now of all the quarterbacks. Joe Flacco, fairly short leash, even though John Elway, the Broncos GM, has suggested otherwise. I don't know about Marcus Mariota. Is he on a short leash with Ryan Tannehill there? Had to stop and think about his name. Ryan somebody. Ryan Tannehill. Forgot about Ryan Tannehill. Is Derek Carr on a short leash? Who's behind him? They still got Connor Cook. They got Nathan Peterman, for crying out loud. I don't think that Nathan Peterman is a threat. I'd say that's it from the standpoint of short leashes. I wonder how the Bucks feel about Jameis Winston if Jameis Winston stinks early on. Bruce Arians has said he was on ESPN draft weekend. What's Winston need to do? He said he needs to quit throwing the ball to the other team. But... You know, with any starting quarterback, the question is, who's your alternative? And you better feel good about your alternative or you're sticking with the guy you have. All right, I need to wrap this up soon. The real Forno, if someone made a movie about Kiss like they did with Bohemian Rhapsody about Queen, how interested would you be in it? Extremely interested. Oh, I would be so interested. Oh, God. Yes, I would be very interested. I would go see that one in the theater. And I think KISS is interesting enough that if you focused on, I think the key is you got to find the right window and it's got to be the 70s. See, I, I think what, what KISS should do, they should find a lineup. Have I already said this before? I know that this is one of my, my theories about KISS. They need to find a lineup of guys who can perform and sing like they did, but these guys are all in their 20s. And they become the new Kiss, and they just take over the show. And they continue to tour with all of the explosions and effects, and they just put on the same makeup, and they come out and they do the same show. Maybe they could find four guys to to be Kiss in the movie, and then those guys become the new Kiss. 
first you got to find somebody willing to make it. I have a feeling Gene Simmons with his nonstop effort to like have a reality show and he finally had one and he was an actor and he's this, he's always got something cooking. They're probably shopping the Kiss biopic. They probably have been for years, but I would definitely be down for uh, seeing some sort of, of Kiss biography that would take us back to how the band got started and how they, but really I would take it through the Alive 2 tour. Or now you want you know you want to see maybe what you do is, and I don't know that you can cram this in to a two-hour movie. Origin of the band through the point where they started to fall apart and they got rid of Ace Frehley and Peter Chris the first time. They kind of wandered through the wilderness. They had the you know the the, the in the 80s they had the resurgence, but really I think the the final part would be the reunion tour. Like the first night of the reunion tour, I think it was at Tiger Stadium in Detroit, something like that. But that's a lot of ground to cover in uh, in two hours. But that's I would want something like that, or or maybe as they're getting ready for the reunion tour, there's like a series of flashbacks that tells the origin story. I always like the origin story of of a musical act, of you know somebody who's become famous. Like how did they figure out who they are? How did they figure out what they can do. How do they find their talent? How do they find their voice? How, how do they go from just being someone like the rest of us into somebody who's this, oh my God, you know, it's Kiss or it's it's Queen or whatever. All right. The Real Forno, how impressed are you by the XFL TV deals? I mean, the fact that the XFL doesn't have to pay to be on TV is an improvement over the AAF. And they're on broadcast TV, Fox and ABC, and they've got games on ESPN. And the fact that they have a deal with ESPN means ESPN will give them real estate on sports center if espn owns the property if the if espn is televising the product all of a sudden the product is more interesting to the sports center producers so that'll help too but ultimately do people care point i made yesterday quoting an espn executive it was from the sports business about the xfl tv deals spring football will be a success and my question was what kind of punctuation should that sentence have because i think question mark continues to be the most appropriate because I still don't think it will be. I, I want it to be as a business person. I don't think it will be. All right, let's see. Let's find a couple more here and call it a day at the CJ Newman. Do the Rams have a chance of making the playoffs? Yeah, they have a chance of making the playoffs. I just, I just won't be surprised if they don't. And I definitely won't be surprised if they don't make it back to the Super Bowl or if they're just one and done again. I, I think with Todd Gurley, they have real issues. And I just, I don't have faith in Jared Goff the way that others do. Another one from the C.J. Newman. Should we prepare for the Patriots to win the AFC again? Yes. Even though every team's making the playoffs, every team's got a chance at the Super Bowl, and the glass is half full in every city, and Browns and Chiefs and Steelers and this team and that team. Steelers. Patriots are the team. Patriots are the team to watch. We have to assume that when the dust settles... The Patriots will win that division. They'll have the one seed or the two seed. They'll find a way to get back to the AFC Championship game. When you make it to the AFC Championship game for eight straight years, you know, I say this about field bets. I always take the field, always, except when it comes to the Patriots. When it comes to the Patriots, I'll I'll keep riding the Patriots. I'll take that eventual loss for now. I'm going to keep riding the Patriots. Let's see what else. 
Mike Lights Dirt for the annual PFTPM Benefit Grill-Off, will NBC Sports match donations made to charity from proceeds? I have no idea what you're talking about. Did I miss the memo about a PFTPM Benefit Grill-Off? Man, we're getting about 10 steps ahead. I know that there's a desire to get everybody together, but uh, no, I'm, I, what we, look, what we, I guess we got to figure this out. I'll try to figure it I, I, I don't know. I just don't. Here's the thing. Once the draft is over and my life falls into a three-month stretch of kind of normal, I'm not looking for more projects. You know, I, I got a couple of things I'd like to accomplish during this three months before, and it's really not even three months. It's like two and a half months before training camps open. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking to have just like normal lifetime, normal life time in the next couple of, a couple of months. So, uh, yeah, I know, I know, look, and I appreciate that folks are interested in having some sort of a meetup or something like that. I just, I just don't know how practical it is, but, but, uh, but, but anyway, I, uh, I'll continue to take it under advisement. That's my way of saying, uh, <laughs> I'll get back to you. All right. What else do we have? Dirtbag1327, how was the immaculate reception not in your draft of controversial games? Well, there were only six. I appreciate the input. There were only six. I was going to go immaculate reception, but I wanted to go that coin toss because I always get screwed by the coin toss in the PFT live drafts. I, I, Shereen Williams pointed out on Twitter that she was surprised I didn't go with the the uh, the Hail Mary game when the, the Vikings got screwed uh, when Drew Pearson pushed off. Back in 1975, I think I think I've just tried to expunge that from my memory. There's a lot of controversial finishes over the years, and and I think it's better to not have those. I don't know what those do to really drive interest. I I think it drives fans away. It makes fans think that that you know the sport isn't as pure as it should be. The best team didn't win. You always want to feel like the best team won, except when it's your team and your team's not the best team. Then you'll take it. All right, that's it for today. I'm not sure about the schedule for the rest of the week. I got some other stuff I got to do. We may try to do one more. I know, I'm sorry. I'd like to do at least three a week, but I, I had something come up and maybe maybe Thursday, maybe Friday. We'll see. I can't do it tomorrow, but we'll, we'll see how the rest of the week goes. We will be doing PFC Live every day. Check us out around the clock at profootballtalk.com and we will talk again at a minimum on PFT Live tomorrow. Sooner than later, hopefully, another PFTPM. Have a great day. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean... Every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera.
Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.